Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast, powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Crisscrossing with Jost. Right in, turned out by Jari. That was a one on two. And Jost. McKinnon. The best avalanche coverage in Denver. everybody, welcome to the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Bev is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 order for all your parties and have it delivered straight to your door. Let's jump into the show. I am AJ Hayfley here uh, alongside nobody else in particular as Adrian Dater is still on site in San Jose following Game 7's conclusion and it is midnight so Jesse Montano is asleep. So, I am here all alone uh, to talk about what went down here tonight in Game 7 between the Avalanche and the San Jose Sharks. If you're listening to this, you already know. Colorado's season is over. Uh, the Sharks prevailed 3-2 to two in a controversial and at times thrilling hockey game that unfortunately will mar what was otherwise an excellent and fantastically played hockey series. Uh, six games, 3-3 three to three coming in. Not a lot of, not a lot of uh, officiating controversy to speak of. But for the second consecutive Game 7 involving the San Jose Sharks, controversial call goes their way and ends up playing a significant role in the outcome. The Sharks did prevail 3-2. to two. How did we get there? Well, we're going to use the first segment here to talk about it. Uh, Colorado had a pretty difficult start coming out of the gate really slowly. Um slow start was compounded by Nathan McKinnon seeming to just lose an edge and go into the boards awkwardly and uh, looks like he hurt his arm slash shoulder uh, and missed uh, the, the you know about 10 minutes of the first period um, during that time San Jose got on the board twice as Joe Pavelski returned from his own injury suffered in game seven against Vegas in the first round series uh, and did what he does best which is stand in front of the net and tip pucks uh, he got a tipped puck past Philip Grubauer at 5.57 of the first period to give the Sharks a one nothing lead. And just under six minutes later, Tomas Hurdle scores yet again 
to make it 2 nothing, and uh, really put Colorado behind the eight ball. Uh, McKinnon would return, immediately get on a mini breakaway, and right on that breakaway, you knew something was wrong uh, with McKinnon as the shot had no elevation, no anything. He tried to go five hole, which is not something he almost ever really does. Um, not great. It was, um, you knew, you knew something was obvious. He was obviously in still fighting off a little bit of pain and was not a hundred percent on the play. Um, but credit to, hey, credit to Martin Jones made a fantastic save on it. What he did not make a fantastic save on, however, was Miko Rantanen's deflection with just about seven seconds remaining in the first period to cut San Jose's lead in half and make it 2-1 going into the first intermission. You know, I thought that San Jose definitely was the better team for the pace of the first period, uh, but they, they, the Avs pushed back. Uh, it was not a dominant period by any means. Uh, the Avs definitely... The Avs definitely had some chances of their own. Um, those couple, you know, those goals obviously were huge. And the fact that Nathan McKinnon was not on the ice and was not a factor. Colorado was a little shell-shocked. Um, on the upside, Colorado killed two penalties in the first period. One of which came right before uh, San Jose's first goal. Uh, as their penalty kill ended the year on a very, very positive note. Um you know, was fantastic in the series throughout. Allowed, I believe, just two power play goals in seven games to San Jose. On a blue line that features Brent Burns and Eric Carlson, that's something to be pretty proud of. Um, I'm already trying to find positives in what is an otherwise disappointing evening. I will try to limit that because this is going to be a sad show. <laughs> but, well, maybe it will be. I don't know. I can't tell the future, guys. And gals. Uh, so 2-1 after the first period, I really didn't have a major issue with Colorado's play outside of obviously the deficit. You want that to maybe not be the case, but, uh, that they got one at the end of the first period. We've seen how that's changed the momentum against the Avalanche so many times. When you play a good period, you're up 2 nothing. you think you're, you think you're going to go into the break. Oh man, feeling good and feeling, feeling like you got this and this is, you know, this is going to go your way. And then they get one right before the, the intermission, and all of a sudden you're going in, and you're like, oh, man, it's two, this is a hockey game, boy. Um, came out in the second period, and I thought San Jose was much better in the second period than Colorado was. Uh, really started to take it to them, especially in the second half of the period. Um, but not without a little bit of controversy. Um, second period in... The Avalanche tie the game. Uh, McKinnon to Colin Wilson. Colin Wilson goes up high and beats uh, Martin Jones. It's 2-2. Two two. Everybody's rocking. The game is reset. It's like 0-0 zero, zero all over again. You still have half a game to play, but it, it, at that point it was starting to feel a little, uh, a little like next goal wins. Next goal takes on the San Jose, or the San Jose, the St. Louis Blues in the Western Conference Finals. And then all hell broke loose. Um, San Jose challenged it for offsides. The call went to the war room, who then determined that Gabe Landeskog, who was exiting the ice on a line change, had not gotten back to the blue line and properly touched up and was called offsides. The goal was disallowed. The score remained 2-1. to one. 
the Avs were uh, furious and would remain so, and justifiably. I won't get further into the call for right now. We'll talk about that a little bit more in the next segment. Really wish there was another person here to talk about it with me because I think it's an interesting conversation topic and not an interesting topic for me to talk to myself about. But this is the world we're living in right now. Um, the Avs would then immediately turn around and give up the third goal and ultimately game-winning goal to Jonas Donskoy. That play will be noted because Nikita Zadorov failed to clear the zone, had all the time and the space in the world, and he flipped it right into the middle of the ice. Um, it got batted down and turned into a goal against, and, you know... Colorado definitely caught uh, a questionable break. Uh, I'm going to say it's a bad break. Um, with the with the overturned goal, that's just bad hockey. That was by Zadorov. That's that's bad execution. It's it's a nice play by Donskoy. Um, of the goals that that were scored, it's one that you would say maybe you would like to have seen Grubauer stop. But I'm not going to really throw my arms up in the air and get all up. You know, all upset about Phil Grubauer's play. He was very good in the postseason. He was good again tonight. Um, we'll talk a little. I'll talk a little bit more about him later on uh, when I uh, when I do maybe dig into a positive uh, thought or two after this one. But for now, that's a goal that I would really like to have seen him stop. Uh, but ultimately, the process was the was the real problem there. Zadorov's failure to clear the zone. It drives you crazy. That's an un, you know, it's one thing when you have a guy all over you. You've got to make a split second decision. Uh, you've got to, and and you've got to, you've got to find a way. Um, you know, you can understand when those things, those types of things happen. But in that case, that wasn't that wasn't one of those situations. That was a, it was a clear cut spot for uh, Zadorov to uh, clear the puck out of the zone and and get a change and do whatever do whatever the hell you want from that point. It doesn't matter. You're out of the zone. Uh, they're not scoring from center ice, so you're not worried about it. Instead, uh, Zadorov is unable to clear the zone. It turns into the third goal against. This comes just minutes after the disallowed goal. I mean, just I'm 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 watching it right now, and I just don't I don't understand what Zadorov is doing here. He's clearing it up the center of the ice, uh, and, and and you know, clearing it up the middle is always iffy. But he's trying to get really cute with it. And he's flipping it up in the air, and he's got guys at center and. It's just, it's so, it's such awful execution. And and then from there, you know, the, the Sharks make a nice play. Donskoy does a good job. He drives around the net and he fires it short side. He's got Landeskog on him and not a defenseman. So, you know, you're, he put himself in a good spot and he capitalized on it. Gave them a 3-1 lead. Uh, that lead held up through the start of the third period. Third period starts, the Avs are down 3-1, season on the line. Wouldn't you know it, the guy that so many have given up on already and gets his third goal in three games since, uh, you know, he gets promoted to that second line and and finds a way. Uh, Tyson Jost makes it 3-2, just 51 seconds into the third period, and you're thinking, all right, baby, this is, here we go. Now, now, now the Sharks have a problem on their hands. Um, and they did. Uh, they absolutely did. Colorado dominated the third period. Um... 20 shot attempts to three. Um, high danger chances, scoring chances. San Jose had zero scoring chances in the third period. Uh, Colorado had nine. 
what can you say? Uh, shots on goal, 15-2. to two. The Avs came out in the third period and did everything imaginable. They threw the kitchen sink, emptied the, to empty the tank. You know, no bullets left. Whatever, whatever metaphor you want to, to go with, the Avalanche did everything that they could possibly do in that third period except find the, the equalizing goal. Uh, ultimately, they came pretty close. Carl Soderberg had a backhander that hit the inside of Jones's pad and squirted it away, which is pretty much par for the course for Soderberg's postseason, which was utterly forgettable. The same goes with Alex Kerfoot, who had an opportunity on a centering feed, and he put it right into Jones's pad. This is not me criticizing either Soderberg or Kerfoot, just reliving what, what took place. There was the uh, Kale McCarr had a had a shot on goal, where the rebound was in the process of falling from from um, Jones's chest, and he caught it before it landed on the ice, where Jost was ready and trying to bang home the rebound between his legs. That would have also tied the game. Ultimately, the equalizer never came. Colorado season ends three to two in a in a three to two loss. Game seven is over. The Avs lose yet again to the Sharks. The House of Horrors, that is the Shark Tank, continues, and a lot of the uh, a lot of the same old, same old. So, I don't even know what to say. Um, a disappointing night. I I really felt like Colorado was gonna do was gonna win tonight. I really felt like the Avalanche were. I felt like they were they were well equipped to make a Stanley Cup run this year if they got through the Sharks tonight, uh, get through the Blues next round, and then take on either Boston or Carolina out of the East. I would have loved to have seen all of those matchups, but this is our reality, and this is the gut punch that uh, you get into when you get into playoff hockey. So. Um, Somber note to go into our first break, but uh, an appropriate one, I think. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, jump out of here for right now. Take the first break of the night and then come back on the other side. I would very much like to talk about the goal that was disallowed. Uh, talk a little bit about the ruling, what they saw, what I saw, how I feel about it. Um, we'll see... Uh, We'll see how everybody else, you know, how you guys feel uh, in, in response and everything. But pretty, um, yeah, we'll get to it. So don't go anywhere. It's the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Bev. Be right back on the other side. If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a 
full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands. We have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at moesdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Moe's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend some Moe's to someone because we cater to all needs. A family-friendly atmosphere. We have Colorado beers on tap, all the games on the TVs. It will blow your mind with amazing barbecue. All right, and welcome back in segment number two here, the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Bev. I am AJ Hayfley. You are you. We are us in this one together. Gonna talk a little bit of controversy. As second period... You already know what happened. You already know what went down. The Avalanche made the play in the neutral zone. They uh, got the puck back in. McKinnon came in, fired it cross ice to Colin Wilson. Colin Wilson put it top shelf, tied the game 2-2. Two two. And San Jose challenged for offsides. It was, uh, upon review, the call on the ice, which was a good goal, was reversed. The goal was called no good. Um, on the replay, it's not Nathan McKinnon <coughs> that was slow getting off the ice. It was Gabe Landeskog, who was in the midst of a change and whose guy had already come onto the ice. Um, and McKinnon was just slow getting through the door. Uh, that was all the difference in the world. That was uh, apparently all that was needed in order to overturn the call. A um, couple of problems here. One, there's nothing definitive about it. The big thing when all the sports, this isn't even just unique to hockey, when all the sports started going to reviews and video replays and all these, started using the technology at our disposal, um, conclusive evidence was, was needed in order to overturn calls. Again, in all sports, this isn't just in hockey, but also in hockey. Conclusive evidence. You needed you needed something that was conclusive, something that you can definitively say. He's, you know, Landis Cog was in the zone 100%. It wasn't had he did not tag up. His skate was not on the blue line. He was not touching it. You need to be 100% sure to overturn that call. You need to have definitive proof, camera angle, zoomed in, and everything. You needed to have successfully split the atom. And this is where we have a problem. The NHL uh, certainly has not provided a look uh, to anybody, at least at this point, that can be considered remotely conclusive. Uh, there's, it's too far away. The camera is too grainy. It's still, it's, it's still in question whether or not the the skate was on the ice, not on the ice, touching the blue line, not touching the blue line. You don't know. You just don't know. Certain people are going to feel certain ways. There's absolutely no way anybody in the world can say with 100% certainty that the call that they that they made tonight was correct, and that's the problem with the call. You overturned a call uh, that you can't you can't defend that you cannot 100% defend and say this is the correct call. Again, unless they have unless they have some some camera angle, some look that. We we are not privy to, and that they maybe release at a later date. I sure as hell hope they do. 
um, there's no way to say that that's the correct call, that they got it right. They took away uh, the tying goal from the Avalanche, and who knows what happens from there. Who knows where a 2-2 game uh, halfway through the second period goes. Who knows what the hell happens from that point, that point on. But currently, we are living in a reality. We are living in a world, and I can't believe I'm actually going to say this. We're living in a world where the inability to get through the door on the bench played a role in in a, in a goal being disallowed in a playoff game. In a game seven. A team season was was partially decided by an officiating by a call made on the ice that they can't 100% unequivocally say is correct. And that's unacceptable. You, a team season ended tonight, and you can't say that the players decided the game. Because the Avalanche... and, and you know, yes, there's plenty of game left. And no, the officials did not score the next goal for San Jose, nor did they score the Colorado's second goal. Nor were they responsible for Colorado failing to, to score at all in the third period. But you can't deny that a 2-2 game is very different than a 2-1 game with with a call going against you. It changes the, the, the emotion of the game. It changes the momentum of the game. It gives, it gives new life to the team that thought they had just blown a 2-0 lead. And it takes life away from the team that had just erased a 2-0 lead. Only to be told that they they did not, in fact. I'm I'm just not... My problem is that the call, the call can't be defended. With, with video evidence to back it up and say that this is correct. You just can't. You, you, it doesn't exist. That, that shot, I mean, unless unless the NHL comes out anytime in the next little while here and, and and releases some sort of photographic evidence that says that their call was that the, they were correct in reversing the decision, there's it's just not correct. And it cost the abs and it changed the course of the game. Again, another game seven where a questionable decision and an unbelievably utterly stupid, stupid rule is is going to play a role in a team season ending. I mean, Gabe Landeskog is... The, the other part of this is that there's already a guy on the ice. If, if Landeskog is offside, if Landeskog is considered offside there, then it should have been too many men on the ice. He's being, he's being changed for. The guy that was coming on the ice for him was already on the ice and in play. He's not supposed to be considered in play anymore because his replacement is already out there and there's no call for too many men on the ice how in the hell can you then turn around and say that he's offside when he's no longer considered a player in play because the way that they enforce the rules tonight means that the every every line change at this point should be considered too many men on the ice it's insane it's an insane application of the rules. And and I'm a little taken aback that that's... That's... <sighs> I'm, t- I'm, I'm, I'm shocked and I'm saddened that this is the world that we have to live in. I just... Uh, It doesn't make sense to me. 
you know, we all watch every year. We all watch a ton of hockey, and we see teams get, you know, on the on the raw end of 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 some calls here and there, some questionable calls, calls that you can be mad about, uh, things that you know, things you wish you had gone in another way. Uh, but the raw reality is, is the va- the vast majority of the time, I feel they get the calls correct. I don't think this call was correct. I I just don't know. I don't know how they make that call in that situation. Had it been called no goal, um, I mean, obviously it wouldn't have been a no goal on the ice. They would have had to have called it offside live, and they they did not. The official's arm was down. They were clear. They were clearly cool with it. Um, a player that literally. I mean, there are some situations. You know, do you remember the uh, the the Avalanche goal that was taken away from them when Tampa Bay was in Denver this year? Tyson Jost had just come out of the penalty box and left his foot over the line, and they had scored on a uh, they had scored on a three on one, and they'd made a cross ice pass and and. They were up one nothing, and that goal got taken away. And the uh, and and Jost, the player who was offside, played no role in it whatsoever. But at least he was like on the ice, right? And and taking part in it. This is an offside call on a on a player who was literally sitting on the bench when the goal was scored. That and 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 it was within seconds of the goal being scored too. It wasn't like it was a long shift or anything. Or, and and they had held the zone held the zone for thirty seconds, and they were getting fresh. Guys on the ice, he he was off the ice immediately. I, it's it's insane to me. It's 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 asinine and it's extremely disappointing. Uh, there's there's no other way around it. I I'm blown away. I just don't understand. I just don't understand. I don't understand how they can make that call. Um, Again, and with the with the obvious caveat that they maybe have a look in the league offices that better explain it. Uh, when I watched the the video that the NHL tweeted out about the decision on the call, they didn't have a definitive look. They used the same camera angle that they used on the broadcast, which you can't definitively say either way. Um, I'm I can't believe Colorado season was partially decided by that. And and I'm usually the I'm usually the hey they have a lot of game left, you know what that's a two two hockey game, that third goal probably doesn't happen. Colorado's third goal probably doesn't happen. It's a completely different game at that point. You have no idea how the game goes. Maybe the Avs maybe the Avs get blown out from there, and this is all irrelevant. And that's the alternate universe where it gets two two, and Colorado season is done anyway. Maybe. But it's it's there's a significant difference between getting beat and getting got, and it sure feels like the Avs got got tonight, and and a lot less like they got beat, and that's 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 what disappoints me the most, and that's what frustrates me about about the outcome. Um, ultimately, they had opportunities; they did what they could in the third period, but. Scoring goals is is real hard, and it's real, real hard to do it when they take them off the board. 
there's no way there's no way around the the raw reality that it played a role in the outcome of this game in the outcome of Colorado season and the abs have to sit on uh sit on this result for the remainder of the year for the remainder of the summer the rest of the playoffs going into next year they have to just sit and wait just like Vegas does I sure hope San Jose uses up all the good fortune and um, does something with it because, uh, you know, we live in a world where what goes around comes around at some point. And uh, it's going to really suck if they end up on the other end of some of these someday. Sure hope that the, uh, I sure hope my last thought on it, I do hope that the NHL takes a, takes a look at that over the summer and maybe considers revisiting, revising that rule in some way that makes it a little more common sense. Because uh, in a huge game seven, they took a goal away from a team uh, on a on a play that absolutely should have been. It was great hockey, and it should have been rewarded with a goal. And for me, that's the bottom line, and uh, that's all I'm going to say about it. Uh, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to go off. I don't want to get into some crazy angry rant. I don't feel like it would be productive. Um. I'm pissed. I'm sure the players are pissed. It sucks. It sucks that it had to be this way. Uh, But it is. And with that, I'm going to segue into selling you stuff. Because a great way to decrease the the frustration that I feel right now would be some Strava Craft Coffee. Which is a CBD-enriched coffee with a reputation for changing lives. It is also taken away long-term migraines, which I can attest to as I do use it for my own migraine issues. Back pain, arthritis, IBS, it's helped decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. That does it for segment number two here, the BSN Avalanche podcast. I am AJ Hayfley. You guys don't go anywhere. I'm going to get into some of the things that, um, some of the positive things that came out of this game because it's not all negative. There were some things from tonight that I felt like uh, we should get into that that were positives. So stick around for some of that. It's the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Bev. And welcome in third and final segment here of the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Bev. I am AJ. You are you and we are us. I know I said that last segment, but I did it again because I liked the sound of it. And I like the idea that we're in this together. After a game like that and an outcome like that, it definitely feels like a group hug is necessary. So I'm just going to take a, a moment of silence or two. Imagine that we have a group hug and then we'll get back to it. One, two, three, go. And done. Great group hug. All right. Moving on. Um, some positive things to come out of that game. There were some, um, and the number one thing that not only that came out of this game, but came out of this playoff series. And look, we're going to get into a lot of this stuff over the next couple of days. Uh, I know Jesse and I are going to be on the show tomorrow. We're hoping to have Adrian, uh, back in town and joining us on Friday for kind of a big wrap up of everything. Um, but for right now, just focusing on a few things from this game and maybe a little bit from the postseason overall. Uh, number one, man, I've I'm and longtime listeners, readers, you guys are not going to be surprised at where I start with this one, but 
My man, number 17, Tyson Jost, gets a goal. Third straight game, he gets a goal. Huge goal. Uh, makes it 3-2 early in the period and changes the complexion of the game. Uh, gets them gets them rolling and gets them off on the right foot and going downhill. Uh, you know, had a bit of a disappointing season overall. Just 26 points in 70 regular season games. Was demoted to the Eagles in the AHL for a little while. But finishes the postseason with four points in 12 playoff games. Um, the majority of those uh, the those 12 playoff games, he spent centering the fourth line. So you keep that in mind when you're like, it's just four points. But um, an, an impressive finish for him. Uh, all four of his points came in the San Jose series, and obviously he scored goals in three consecutive games. He was elevated to the second line and got bigger minutes and played his ass off. Just plain and simple. Played played great hockey. Um, played his tail off, I'm sorry. Um, goals in three straight games, which is like the fourth time I've said that already. But his process throughout the postseason was fantastic. Earned the promotion to the second line when Matt Calvert was uh, designated too injured to play. Um, and, and did what he had to do. He got, he got an opportunity and he took advantage of it. And that's exactly what you're looking for from a guy like that. On the fourth line, there's no doubt uh, that he was playing significantly better throughout uh, the course of the series, uh, both series, Calgary and San Jose. <sighs> Excuse me. Again, it is the middle of the night here that I'm recording this, so apologies. Um, I, loved, I loved the growth from Tyson Jost here. It needs to obviously continue. It has to turn into to real production. It has to turn into serious production next season. But he finished strong enough that maybe the Avs don't go out and trade for a second-line center or throw $7 million at Kevin Hayes because they say, hey, maybe if we get a, a winger for Tyson Jost, you know, a, a real top-six caliber wing for Jost that, you know, maybe maybe then he's able to produce a little bit more consistently and we have our second-line center. Um, that'll be one of the things we certainly talk about moving forward, but... He is absolutely one of the positives I took from tonight, took from the postseason as a whole. I love the way that he turned his game up and uh, definitely, definitely was one of their better, better depth forwards throughout the postseason. And obviously you love the production uh, that, that showed up late, you know, late in their run. Uh, but it showed up and you know, you're not asking fourth line guys to do anything except have sound process. They did that. You are definitely asking second line guys to produce points for you when put in that position. He did very encouraging. Um, one other player that I definitely, definitely want to talk about as encouraging and look, Colorado's big stars are, are going to be encouraging. Um, Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, and Gabe Landeskog all played through some sort of injury in Game 7. Um, Rantanen finishes as their highest scorer in the in the postseason with 14 points in 12 games. Got his sixth goal of the postseason tonight. Obviously, 
that's positive. You feel great about Rantanen and McKinnon. Landeskog, a little, you know, eight points in 12 games was certainly no slouch. Colin Wilson is sort of the, whoa, where did that come from with his eight points in 12 games as well? Um, and that's that's with Colin Wilson having a, having a point taken away from him tonight. Um, but knowing that, I mean, Rantanen was, he's been fending off injury and he's been clearly injured through most of the postseason, and then after that big Brent Burns hit in Game 6, labored through the end of Game 6, finished it up, and then was questionable to play in Game 7, ultimately did get on the ice. Uh, it's obvious both Rantanen and Landeskog have been compromised throughout the postseason. It was certainly obvious that McKinnon was compromised by injury in Game 7 tonight. I am making, I am, These are in no way excuses. Uh, those guys were well enough to play in their own estimation, they were well, and if, if you're healthy enough to play, you're healthy enough to produce, and that's just the bottom line. Um, but the reality is those cats were playing through some stuff, and obviously they're not the only ones, but interesting and uh, awfully impressive, to be honest with you. Awfully impressive that they were able to produce the way that they did. One of the other guys um, that I really, Philip Grubauer. Colorado walked in with the memory of Grubauer getting pulled after two games against Columbus in last year's playoffs, only to watch Braden Holpe lead his team to a Stanley Cup. Unbe- unbelievable run for the Caps last year. Gruby had to watch it. That was not the case this season. Philip Grubauer finishes the postseason with a 7-5 and record, a 2.3 goals against average, and a 9.25 save percentage, and one shutout. Absolutely nails. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt that Philip Grubauer is your number one starter going into the beginning of next season. Uh, he still has to prove he can hold up uh, across a, a starter load of games because he only played 37 games this regular in the regular season, but added to 12 playoff games. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> The guy, the guy has been unbelievable down the stretch. Now he needs the the question is, can he put it together over the course of you know a, a full season? Uh, we all know how awful he was uh, for a while there, but beginning in late February, he turned it on, and it never got turned off after that. Um, he had a save percentage over nine hundred in every appearance. Uh, in the regular season from February 12th on. And in the postseason, his, he only had three appearances, three games with uh, sub-900 save percentages. Unfortunately, game six and seven of this series were uh, two of those three. Uh, game one of this series was the other one. Uh, but at the same time, you watch the game, you know that Philip Grubauer was in no way their biggest problem uh, tonight or in, and in game six, it ultimately didn't matter because Colorado won that game. Um, he was not, he was not their, their biggest problem tonight and couldn't, couldn't have been, I, I couldn't have been more impressed honestly with how Phil Grubauer played in the, in the playoffs this year. He was, he was awesome. And I, feel that Colorado's deal for him last summer has now become fully justified. He is their man moving forward. He is uh, 
signed for two more years at just a little over $3 million per. Um, the real question now with him proving himself the man, the real question here is what happens behind him. Uh, Simeon Varlamov is a UFA and has probably played his final game as a member of the Colorado Avalanche. Um, if that's If that ends up being true, then, you know, all the best wishes in the world to Varley, who was nothing but, um, you know, gave gave everything that he had to to the Avalanche, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, another positive, I mean, goaltending, great. Tyson Joe stepped forward, but a guy who you know, I, I mentioned him earlier in the segment, a, a guy who really may have. Um, made a case here for coming back is Colin Wilson. Uh, Colin Wilson was awesome. He had a strong finish to the regular season and, uh, you know, eight points in 12 playoff games. That's real production. That's not, that's real top six production. That's, that's very impressive. Um, and, you know, he only put up 27 points in the regular season this year, but, if you remove him from the lineup, that's 27 points you have to go out and replace. And given he only played 65 games and was not consistently healthy in either of his two regular seasons here in Denver, it's interesting. You wonder. You know, he had uh, he had six games uh, with the Avs in their series against Nashville last year, just one assist. This year, 12 games, four goals, four assists. Um, has previously had very strong playoff performances uh, as a member of Na of Nashville, um, including 13 points in, in 14 games uh, the year that they went to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, so that's impressive. Oh, I'm sorry, that was the year before. It was the next year they went to the Cup Finals. Um, he's been a good playoff player is what I'm saying. And he's a good, he's a solid bottom six forward and a good, and a good role player for an Avs team that is not above those guys. I'm not saying that they should make him a priority or that they should give him a, a bundle of years. I think that on, you know, it would be fair to let him explore his market if he is not interested in coming back and playing, you know, I think the Avs should consider maybe a one or two year deal at under the $4 million that he got this year for sure. But um, definitely had the kind of finish where you have to pay attention to it. Um, he has been a half a point per game player uh, in, in his playoff career. He's got 32 points in 64 playoff games, uh, which is up from his regular season production. So, you know, some, something, something to, to consider. And I'm just, I'm just saying it was, it was awfully impressive what he did in the, in the postseason. Uh, and uh, certainly, you know, there's certainly argument to be made that he gave he gave Colorado a little something to think about, something to stew on, if you will. But um, yeah, solid guy. Um, on the other side of that, Carl Soderberg really, really struggled, and that's surprising. Two assists in 12 games, three assists in 12 games for Alexander Kerfoot. 
you're absolutely expecting more from those cats. Those guys needed to step up in a much bigger way. Um, definitely a disappointment there. Nikita Zadorov, zero points in 12 games. Definitely would have liked to have seen more from him as well. Uh, and to a lesser extent, Sam Gerard too. I mean, just two points in nine games. Uh, you'd like to see, you'd like to see more from him. You'd like to see a little bit more offense. It seems like we we've labeled him an offensive defenseman, despite there being no evidence to the contrary that he is that guy in the NHL. Um, he was certainly that guy in the queue, but he's not in the queue anymore. He's in a league where he has to start producing offense. Kale McCarr, six points in ten games. And that's where I'm going to end tonight's show. Kale McCarr, 20 years old, played in 10 games, got his final performance bonus uh, in, in the first year of his ELC, made himself an extra $100,000 just by getting to the 10-game mark. Six points. Um, definitely showed that there were some holes in his defensive game, that there's definitely, he's, he has a ways to go. Uh, there's no arguing that. There's no doubt about that. He is a guy who still has some development in his own zone to do, and it's not to say that he's a finished product offensively, but six points in ten games in the postseason for a guy with zero regular season games played. I mean, come on. The guy rolled in on a 49-point pace in the playoffs, having never played a game in the regular season. That's insane. It's insane, and I am... There's there's no ceiling for Kale McCarr. He's going to decide his ceiling. Uh, he's a special personality and a special on-ice talent. The Avs are extremely lucky to have a guy like that. I think that he is the real deal, and it's going to be a fun Calder race next year with Kale McCarr taking on Jack Hughes, Capo Cacao, and uh, Quinn Hughes. Uh, those, guys, those guys are all going to have a real fun race to the Calder. And it's going to be fun when Martin Cowd beats out all of them. <laughs> Real talk, though, Kale McCarr is going to take over the world. And that's how I'm going to wrap up tonight's episode. I will be back tomorrow with Jesse Montano. We will talk a little bit more about where the Avalanche go from here. Some positives, some negatives, things we liked, didn't like from the playoff run. And uh, as I said, when Adrian Dater gets back into town, we are hoping to bring him back onto the show and sit down and have a lengthy chat about the season as a whole. Before we get out of here, though, I do want to remind you, our great presenting sponsor, Total Bev, has a really awesome mobile app that you can order liquor on and have it delivered to your house on the same day, and it saves you money. Total Beverage delivers to most of the metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie, and they have the lowest prices in the state. Plus, they're locally owned and operated, so you're helping out the local guy. And we know we know how much you guys love the local guy as you guys are listening to the BSN Denver podcast about the Avalanche. A local company full of locals. For a limited time, Total Bev is offering total $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and their app. Use promo code BSN10. To save $10 off a $50 purchase for all your parties, have it delivered to your door. I am AJ Hayfley, and this has been the BSN Avalanche Podcast, presented by Total Bev. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you tomorrow. Good luck. 
Godspeed. The sun may not come out because I think it's supposed to, to, to snow, but I assure you it will be up and others across the planet will see it and experience its warmth. And we will just have to live vicariously through them until it makes its return to Denver. <laughs>